0: All right, if you would stand with me. We're going to read from our scripture. We'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 15. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift.
1: Amen. 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 While you're still standing, if you don't mind, just hold your hands out in front of you and open them just really wide. I love this scripture, and it's so much about our hope for one another in this new year is that we would be in tune with the flow of God. The scripture tells us that God gives us bread gives bread for those of us that eat, which would be who? All of us, right? He provides bread for the eater and seed for the sower. When we live open-handed, we live, when it comes to our finances and resources and the life we're given, we live in a way that flow can occur in our lives. What happens is when we Go ahead and clench your fist when we get worried, when we get concerned, when we start to operate by the ways of the world, we begin to clench on to the things that we have. God's invitation is that we would flow, resources would flow through us, and that God would be able to do something. When we clench our fists, there's no opportunity for our hands to be filled. When our hands are open, we're open to receive what God has for us. And we're open to give what God has given us to give, right? So as we continue this series on 2020 Vision, uh, I thought of no better uh, spot to have Josh Roby and um, talk to us about generosity and provision. Josh and Wendy are such an amazing example. They're family of people that flow. Uh, with the resources God has given. And Josh told me, he says, I I would love to talk about flow when it comes to resources. So let's open our hands again, hold them in front. And Father, right now, we open our lives to the flow of your goodness. First of all, the flow of your spirit for 2020. We open our hands and our lives to the flow of provision. We pray for miracles in this place. Mm -hmm. Even as Josh talks and even as we enter into this new week, we receive miraculous provision. We receive increase. We receive our hands being filled to overflowing. And God, we receive the power not only to acquire wealth according to your word, but the power to release wealth that our righteousness may multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Josh, you guys. Thank you.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am um, Josh Roby, And uh, my wife, Wendy, and I have had the opportunity to be a part of uh, this this family now for almost 15 years. It's been such an incredible blessing for us. Uh, Claire just said, oh my gosh. She's like, you're reminding us of how old we all are becoming. So, But we keep getting better all the time. So that's the way we like to look at it, right? So, um, But you know, when Scott asked me if I would be willing to share with you guys a little bit about uh, provision, um, I was really excited about this because this is is such an exciting space in our life that we've just had an opportunity to live through. And, and um, you know, it, it's interesting, um, for much of my life I've spent time studying God's Word and I remember many years ago just hearing uh, this little acronym that, the, that Bible really stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. And so I've always looked at the Bible like it's, it's kind of like God's instruction manual for how we're supposed to live a successful life. And so, you know, it's often been a resource for us to go back to and just use as a sounding board for, you know, how, how are we navigating this journey and, um, and are we following God's design for our life and stuff. And so, you know, that's really where I want to go back to this morning as you know, we talk about God's plan for, for provision and what that's supposed to look like in our lives, right? And... Um, and so we're, we're going to spend quite a bit of time jumping around to some different scriptures this morning. I hope you guys are ready to go to learn fast. I'm going to throw a lot of stuff out quickly. We're going to go pretty quick. If any of you guys are note takers, you might enjoy taking some notes. By the way, I have to tell you, I so much appreciate Tashna reading that scripture this morning because she had to start with the word superfluous. <clears throat> I was like, I had to read that word 25 times before I knew how to say it. I'm still not sure I got it right. So, uh, so thank you, Tashna, for that. But but anyway, so let's go back to the beginning of the scripture, right? And we'll kind of start here. And um, so we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 5. So now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has uh, been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I Said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to read things in, in Scripture many times to kind of understand what in the world is this talking about, right? And so this is one of those little passages where I, the first, first couple of times I read it, I'm like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, it started to dawn on me that what's happening you know, is Paul's running his ministry. He's got... Um, a couple of his guys, okay, that he's sent back to the church of Corinth um, because the the church of Corinth has been supporting Paul's ministry, right? And and, and Paul's been boasting to everybody in Macedonia about how um, how how much of a giving um, organization the church of Corinth is and how they're going to be you know just overflowing in the abundance of what they're giving into Paul's ministry and he's saying, "Hey, I'm basically sending these guys to you in advance just to remind you that I've been bragging about you." Okay, I'm like, "Well, that's interesting." Okay, maybe we should operate that way a little more. I don't know. Um, so Scott, we'll try that next week, okay? Um, <clears throat> so we're, we're expecting y'all to give a lot next week now, okay? Uh, I'm just I'm here to let you know in advance. I'm like Titus. I'm just here to let you know that's what we're doing next week, okay? That's a joke. Some of you guys were like, is he serious about that? I'm not sure, okay? I'll leave my wallet at home next week, okay? Um, so, so let's stop and think about what's going on here, right? So when I read this, One of the things that I do when I read scripture is it causes me to pause and ask questions, okay? I hope that you ask questions when you're reading scripture. And one of the questions I ask is, well, gosh, does, does God really need our stuff to get his work done? Okay, because when I read this, gosh, it sure seems to me like like Paul's depending on the, the financial resources from the church at Corinth to get, get his work done in, in his ministry, right? And, and it's like he's even sending these guys ahead to say, hey, dude, you know, we've, we've been promoting you. We've been telling everybody that you guys are going to come through and get things done for us. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting, right? And, um, and so I, I read these things in scripture sometimes. I'm like, huh. I, I've never picked that up before, right? And so, so let's go back to some kind of fundamental things, okay? And, and I want to just kind of cover some, some uh, fundamental concepts uh, this morning. And I really believe this, that as we study Scripture, there are fundamental themes that run all through Scripture, And and when I study scripture, one of the things I like to do is look at the themes and not just get hung up sometimes on one single verse, but but to see, look for the continuity through everything, right? And so one of the themes that I see is that all the material stuff actually belongs to God anyway, okay? as a matter of fact, I think we really have to go all the way back to the beginning. So let's go back to Genesis. Let's see what uh, Genesis says. If we go back to Genesis 1, it says, and God said... Let there be light, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place. He said, let the earth sprout vegetation, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. By the way, if he could just say, hey, let there be a sun and a moon... Um, I think he can probably take care of anything he needs to take care of, right? He said, you know, let there be swarms, um, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth. So gosh, you know, should we be worried about food? I don't think so. God just said, hey, let there be a bunch of fish in the ocean and it'll be there for food. Okay, let there be birds in the air. I'm not sure what a chicken is. I'm still confused about that, okay? Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay, and uh, <laughs> that's dinner. <laughs> they were never supposed to fly because he knew that uh, you know we're not smart enough to catch them, but if you put them on the ground and they can't fly, we'd be taken care of, okay? All right, so he said, um, let the earth bring forth living creatures and let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, so, so here's what I come back to, right, is if, if God created all that stuff, he just literally spoke it into existence, then isn't all the stuff his right? So, so here's the thing. Didn't, isn't he the one that put the gold in the ground? Okay? Isn't he the one that gave the designer and the engineer and the assembly worker the creativity and the energy to build the Lambo? Okay? Isn't he the one that, that put the, the marble and the granite in the quarries to build some big mansion? Isn't all that stuff really his? Okay, And so I think that we have to come back to these foundational things when we start putting together our framework for our viewpoint on what God's plan is for provision. And so I, I'm, I'm just um, I'm one of those people that there has to be a logical flow to everything for me. That's just how, how I work. And so, so this is kind of where I come back to. And so, so, again, I think we have to come back to this fundamental question. Does, does God really need our money to get things done? Okay? You know what? I would argue that he doesn't. I don't think he does need our stuff, okay? And, and so we have to ask ourselves, well, what is going on here? Why is Paul depending on the church at Corinth to get his ministry done if God doesn't really need our money to get the ministry done, right? Has anybody ever stop and think about these things? I think about these things, right? Okay, and so, so here's what I think this all comes down to is I believe that God has designed for our life to be a conduit, Okay, there is really intent, He intends for there to be flow. Okay. And again, as we look throughout the themes of scripture, we see this over and over again, right? So, so if we go back to the Old Testament, we see examples where, where God has chosen over and over again to work through his people to get his plan accomplished, right? You know, so he chose Noah to build a boat. Okay, he, he didn't need Noah to build a boat. There's a lot of other ways that he could have saved Noah's family. You know, he could have, uh, I mean, could, Noah, could God have just created a magic carpet and levitated Noah and his family up above all the water and, and they would have just been chilling on a magic carpet? I think he could have. Okay, now you guys have all got that mental picture in your head, don't you? <laughs> okay, <laughs> Noah and Aladdin, they're hanging out, okay? But, uh, but that's not what he did. He said, hey, I'm going to use Noah and Noah's going to spend 100 years building some boat Okay? Do you think that maybe the reason that Noah had to spend 100 years building a boat is because there was something that God was forming in the heart of Noah in the process of doing that? Maybe it was in the process of that that, that God was teaching Noah faith. Right? You know, we look at the story of Joseph, and you know, we we know the story of all the crazy things that happened to Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt, and and a whole story with Potiphar's wife, and up and down emotional roller coaster of a life. And then all of a sudden, he ends up in the space where he's the number two guy in Egypt. And as the number two guy in Egypt, God gave him the wisdom to, and, and a vision that, hey, there's going to be a drought. And, and, um, and Joseph had the wisdom to say, hey, let's, let's bring all this grain into these storehouses and, and let's, let's make provision so that when this drought comes, that um, the, this whole generation of people don't die off of starvation. And he was able to actually save his family because of that, Right. But, but what's interesting is God flowed his provision through Joseph, but there was a journey that Joseph had to go through in order to be prepared to step into that space. Does this make sense? Okay. You know, let's look at Moses. You know, Moses had a speech impediment. And, and God said, hey, Moses, I'm going to make you this great leader. You're going to lead my people out of Israel, or Israel, out of Egypt, okay, <laughs> into Israel eventually. And, and, but the guy had a speech impediment. Moses is like, God, that's not me. I can't talk. And God said, um, I, I, don't, um, I don't call the equip, I equip the call. He said, you just need to go do this, okay? And, um, you know, and then I think one of the most incredible stories is, is Mary. Here's this teenager that God says, I'm going to work through this teenager to bring my son into the world to save his people, right? And so there's this theme through scripture that God chooses to work through the lives of, of people. And so, so you know, again, I come back to this question sometimes of Why? Why does he work this way? And again, I think it comes back to the foundation that you know, I believe that, uh, um, that the whole reason God even created us from the beginning is so that we could be in fellowship with him. He designed us for relationship. And, and it, the only way that you can really have a really fulfilling relationship with somebody is there, there has to be this relationship that is born out of a free will, right? People, you know, someone has to choose, right? I I use this example sometimes that, you know, when I just tell my children, hey, you need to go do this, and they go do it, that's good. But you know what's even better is when they willingly choose to go do that without being asked. Isn't that true? What's even better is when they come up to me and they give me a hug when I'm walking in the door, rather than me saying, you know, hey, Sierra, can you come give me a hug? You guys with me? And see, I think that that's how God's designed us to be as well. That's why he gave us the free will to choose. And I believe that this is his plan for provision in our lives as well, that he gives us the opportunity for us to be a conduit that he can flow his resources through so that we can be a part of his plan, okay? And, um, you know, I've heard it say many times that um, show me your checkbook and your calendar and I'll tell you where your heart is. And gang, I'll tell you what, I think that's so true. Now, some of you guys, you're like, what does that mean? Because I don't know what a checkbook is. Okay, so, so back in the day, there was these little booklets that you would get from the bank, and, you know, so, so some of you guys can ask your parents about that, and, you know, maybe you can look something up and uh, uh, do a Google search, and you find an image of a checkbook or something like that, okay? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, so here's what the process to me is all about, is it's a process of stewardship. Okay. And it's about us stewarding well the resources that God makes available to channel through our lives, okay? So let's talk a little bit about some principles of the stewardship and, and maybe how that flow works. And so, again, I'm an engineer, so some of you guys that know me, I can't get too far away from this. And so I, I always come back to engineering analogies. I apologize for you normal people who won't relate to any of this, <clears throat> okay? And so, so this is a pump. Has anybody ever pumped a hand pump? right? <laughs> it's interesting to look at the average age of the people who just raised their hands, by the way, okay? <laughs> Claire says, we'll take those to Haiti because they're useful there yet, right? And, and so, <clears throat> so here's something that I, I found is really important is, is I believe that our tithes, okay, are, are really intended to prime the pump for the conduits, Okay, our tithes are intended to prime the pump. And so, so here's what's interesting. Again, if we go back to the fundamentals of what does scripture teach in themes, if you go way back to the beginning of the first chapter of Genesis, you, you read the story of Cain and Abel, right? And, and it talks about how Cain and Abel brought the first fruits of what was produced and presented it as a sacrifice to God, okay? You know, Cain brought the, uh, the first fruits of, uh, um, of, uh, um, of the animal and Abel brought the first fruits of the land, Got that backwards. Anyway, um, but they, they, brought, they brought their first fruits, right? And, and so what's interesting is we see this theme over and over again through Scripture. You know, there's a, a very, very um, common uh, financial Scripture that everybody's heard before. It's Malachi 3, 6 through 10. And, but I think a lot of times we hear this and we don't really know the context of it, so we miss some important things. So let me read this to you guys. I, I don't have it up on the screen, but uh, let me just run through it real quick. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Uh, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. Okay, so what he's saying is that what these people have, st- uh, have done is they, they've stopped tithing. They've stopped, they've forgotten this whole idea of first fruits. They've forgotten this idea that God set up this plan to that, um, that for the first of everything that, that we receive, okay, that comes into our life, we're supposed to take the first of that, not, not what's left after we pay bills. We're supposed to take the first and give that back because what that does in us is it reminds us of where it comes from. It reminds us of who the source is. See, see I'm not confused in believing that my job is the source of our income. It's not, okay? My heavenly father is the source of our income, Okay, my, uh, you know, we have a a business that we run that produces income, but my heavenly father is the source of that income, not that business. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. And see, if I try to hold on to all that stuff and, 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 you know, pay ties with with what's left afterwards, where's the faith in that? That's like me saying, well, gosh, I think my source really does come from my work and it comes from, you know, from uh, my talents and stuff. And it doesn't. It comes from my heavenly father because I'm just a conduit that he's flowing his blessings through. You guys with me? Okay. But here's what happened is these people had forgotten this. They had forgotten that it's about the first fruits and they had stopped doing that. They had stopped, you know, uh, giving their tithes. By the way, tithe just means tenth. Okay. That's, that's all that means. And so there's this principle of taking the first tenth of everything that you earn that comes into your, your, your conduit and, and uh, flow that back into God's kingdom, right? And then it goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you, okay? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. By the way, it's interesting to me, as far as I know, this is the only place in scripture where God says, put me to the test, okay? There's a lot of other places where he says, you know, you shouldn't test me because I'm God, okay? But in this, (laughs) test me, okay? And, And you know, I think that's an interesting challenge for us, right? He says, put me to the test. Um, <clears throat> if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Okay, by the way, I don't know about you, but when God is pouring down a blessing, that sounds like flow to me. Yeah. Does that sound like flow to any of you? Okay, I, I think so, right? I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. okay. Now, let's come back to my little analogy with the pump here, okay? For those of you that are my generation that have actually pumped one of these pumps, okay? There's actually two ways to prime the pump, okay? Isn't it true that one of the ways to prime the pump is to grab the handle, and man, you are just going to town on that dude, okay? And I mean, it could be two, three, four, five minutes that you are just wearing your arm out pumping that guy because you've got to prime the pump, okay? But you may not realize there's actually another way that you can prime the pump, you can take water that you already have, pour it down the pump, and then as soon as you grab the handle and start pumping, immediately the pump starts flowing. Isn't that interesting? You see, gang, I think what's happening is most of us, we've just got the handle of the pump and we're going to town. <laughs> okay? Because we don't understand God's laws of finance. We don't understand his laws of provision. And we're just trying to hang on to everything like, God, uh, like Scott was talking about earlier rather than just letting it go so there can be some flow. There's this principle of you've got to let it go so there can be flow. Okay? And so my question for you is how are you priming that pump? Are you doing it the hard way? Or are you taking a little bit of what you've already been given back that's part of God's flow already, just priming that pump so that it's just to open up God's floodgates, right? And so, so the next principle is simply that our money is really intended to flow. You know, it's interesting to me that we call money currency, okay? Because, by the way, what's a current? Isn't it a flow? Okay, And so to me, it's fascinating that we call our money currency because it's intended to flow. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what happens when our money stops flowing? Some of you guys were around in 2008 when the, when the, the currency stopped flowing. What happened? It wasn't a fun place to be, right? Okay, And so this is just important to understand that this is how this is supposed to, to work, that God's economy is designed for flow. He's designed the system for this stuff to flow. You know, so let's go back to a couple of examples. You know, in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, um, this is the, the parable of the talents. Okay? And you guys know this story where this, uh, this master goes away and he has three servants and he gives each one of his servants some talents. He gave one of them five talents, another one two, another one one. And you guys know the story, right? He comes back a couple years later and the guy who had five um, brought back 10. Right? Because he had gone and invested that. And the guy who had two, he brought um, back, uh, he had doubled that as well. But the servant that had one, what did he do? He buried it. And he brought that talent back to the master and he said, I knew you to be um, a hard master. And, And I wanted to make sure that I was bringing back what you would give to me. Okay? Do you remember what the master said to that servant? He called him a wicked and slothful servant. I don't know about you, but I'm not real sure I'd be real fired up about getting that, you know, that response. (laughs) Okay. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my days and be standing before Jesus. And he says, you wicked and slothful servant, what have you done with what I've given to you? What have you, what have you done to steward the resources I've made available in your life? Right. And not only that, he goes on, this is hardcore. By the way, this is Jesus saying this. He's telling the story. Right, you know, and, and he goes on to say that that guy's going to be thrown into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm like, dude, that's pretty tough. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's like, where's the grace in all this? Okay, and uh, and so the question though is, what what is this supposed to look like in our lives? You know, um, Wendy and I were in a place um, several months ago where we were just sharing a story about, you know, just some of God's blessing in our lives and some doors that he had opened up and stuff like that and, and, um, and some provisions, some cool stuff he was doing. And, um, and Wendy reminded me of where we were at when we started this journey many years ago. And she reminded me, and I wasn't real excited about her reminding me of these stories. Anybody like that? You have stories you don't want anybody to know? Yeah, I'm going to tell you one of those right now, okay? And so, so we had just gotten married. We lived out in Virginia at the time, and, and uh, we were broke. So that meant that when we uh, wanted to go do things, we would go camping, Okay. Why did we go camping? Because it's what fit in our budget. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but so we, were, we went hiking for a weekend up in the Appalachian Mountains, and you know, we're being one with nature, and, and I love all that stuff, right? And so it, it's in the middle of summer. It's like August. It's 100 degrees outside. We're hiking all day. We get back to the trailhead after hiking all day, and you know, we're thirsty, okay? And there was, a, uh, um, there was a drink machine there at the trailhead. And, um, and in my car, I used to, you know, because I, I, was the, I was like the servant that just put everything in the ground, okay, because I hung on to everything. This is just kind of how I operate. I was taught to save every nickel I ever got because it's probably all I was going to ever get. And, um, and so I used to put all of my change in this little cup holder in my car. And so Wendy was just parched and she's thinking, man, Josh has got some change in the cup holder. I could just grab 80 cents of change out of the cup holder to get a water, But do you understand that she did not feel comfortable asking me if she could have 80 cents of change out of the cup holder? Because that's how tightly I held on to her money. Okay? How messed up is that? Right? How materialistic was I that I wouldn't let my wife have 80 cents to get a drink of water? Okay? Because I didn't understand this principle. Gang, we have to understand that if we want to have flow operating in our life we've got to be willing to let go of the things that God's given us to let it flow back into his kingdom again, okay? Next principle. <clears throat> Our money needs a name, okay? Um, I, want, I don't want to get too deep into this, okay? But, but here's what's important to understand about money is money is just a medium of exchange for goods, okay? You know, the dollar bills and you know, some of you guys that have um, the Benjamins in your pocket and stuff like that, uh, th- that's not real money, Okay, it's just, those are just linen pieces of paper with pictures of dead presidents on them. That's all it is. Okay, and, and so, so here's what's important to understand, though, is in, in God's economy, what does this mean? So there's this principle throughout scriptures that we see, again, that when whatever it is we sow, that we reap in, 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 in like kind, okay? So if you go back to the story in Second Kings 4.2 of the, the widow who um, had a debt that she needed to repay, and her debtors came to her and said, hey, you need to repay this debt. She said, I have no money, and, he, and they said, okay, we're going to take your two sons as slaves, Okay, And so she goes to Elisha and says, oh my gosh, Elisha, what do I do? I'm, 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 they're going to take my sons as slaves because I have no money to repay this debt. And he said, well, what do you have? And she said, I have a jar of oil. And Elisha said, go grab as many pots as you can possibly find. And then borrow pots from all of your neighbors. Get as many pots as you can find. And then she went and got all these pots, brought all these pots together. And then they started pouring oil from, from that, that, little, that little cup, that little jar into these pots. And you know, that oil kept flowing until all of the pots were filled. And you know, the, the oil didn't stop flowing until they ran out of pots. What if she had had more pots? I don't know, but I bet she was thinking at that point in time, man, I should have found more friends, <laughs> <laughs> right? I should have borrowed more stinking pots. And you know what? They were able to take those pots and sell that oil to get money to pay off that debt. But not only did it pay off the debt, but it paid for her sons to be taken care of for the rest of their lives right? But here's the point, is that she didn't take oil and sow oil and get cows. She sowed sowed oil and got oil, right? When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, he didn't take fish and multiply the fish and create chickens. He multiplied the fish to create fish, right? And so what's important to understand in God's principles of finance is that if there's something that's missing in your life when you're sowing into God's kingdom, you've got to give a name to that money because the money isn't really anything. It's just a medium of exchange. But if you sow into the kingdom with that money and say, yeah, God, I'm I'm sowing into this, and, and name what you want that money to do. You guys with me? Okay, these are principles I just simply didn't understand until I started getting into the word and, under, and studying some of this stuff, okay? So, um, so last principle is this. This is the one that's really exciting to me, okay, is that our offerings increase the size of our conduits, okay? So we, we talked about tithes already. Tithes are just the first fruits. It's, it's that, that money that we take of the first fruits of everything that comes into us, and we just immediately put that back into God's kingdom, okay? But the thing that really increases our conduit and the flow in our life is our offerings, right? And, um, you know, uh, this picture I've got up here, okay, this is a conduit as well. Okay, we started out with a picture of a garden hose. That's a conduit. Okay, this is actually the Los Angeles aqueduct. And so um, I don't know how many of you guys have been to LA. Anybody ever been to LA? Okay. What does LA look like if you take away the water? The traffic gets really good really fast. Okay, because everybody will leave because there's no water. It's, in, it's literally built in the middle of a desert. And so years ago, actually the early 1900s, a couple of guys decided, hey, we're going to build this pipeline, this aqueduct from this lake that's about 600 miles northeast of LA, and, and we're going to build this pipeline to pipe water all the way into Los Angeles. Okay, and that's, the, it's the only reason that Los Angeles has been able to grow into what it has been today is because of this aqueduct. Okay, now, now what do you think that, uh, how far do you think you'd get with LA just having a garden hose running across the Mojave Desert? I don't think you can, you know, keep a lot of people going with that, right? You know, this aqueduct moves about 7,000 cubic feet of water per second. Some of you guys are like, I don't even know what a cubic foot is. It is a lot, okay? It's a lot, okay? It's a lot of showers, okay? So, so anyway, um, so, so let's go back to this, uh, this passage of Scripture that we started out with. Um, let me bump back here, okay? All right, so, so here we go. Let's start in 2 Corinthians 9.8, okay? He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so, that all, so, that, so having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Okay, by the way, what does all mean? It means all. Okay, does that mean there's anything left out? Now, so here's what's cool to me, is this passage of scripture is saying that, you know what, when we're living in the flow, God is going to make all grace abound in you. He's going to make you all sufficient with whatever it is that you're pursuing. That's a pretty cool promise to me, right? He's basically saying that I'm going to equip you with whatever you're stepping into if your heart's in the right place, if you're participating in my economy of flow, of just being a conduit for the kingdom, right? He promises to equip us with everything that we need. He goes on to say, as it is written, he is distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who multiplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of your righteousness. He says that, you know what, if we're in a space where we're, we're participating in, in his kingdom economy, where we're, um, we're taking um, money that we have, resources that we have, and we're, we're investing those into his kingdom, he's going to multiply that. Okay? But here's a principle that I had to learn: is that he doesn't do that when we give of what's left over. Okay, yeah, I, I will tell you. Um, oh, by the way, let me read this real quick. we will wrap this up. It says it goes on to say, "And you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God." So, so he says the reason that you're enriched is so that you can be generous. Did you see that? Okay, we're, we're not enriched so that we can hang on to stuff and have, just so that we can have a fancy car or a big house. Okay, not that I believe there's anything wrong with a fancy car or a big house, but that's not why we're enriched. We're enriched so that we can increase our flow, so we can increase the size of the conduit that he's flowing through our lives. It's about increasing our level of stewardship, right? You know, and, and I'll just share you a quick story, okay? Um, yeah, I was taught this principle of tithing when I was a little boy. You know I, when I was, um, you know, I was always taught my, by my parents to, to save and to be intentional about savings and stuff like that. When I was um, 12 years old, I loaned my dad $5,000 to buy a piece of property. It was a down payment for a piece of property at 12 years old, okay? And, um, and I remember as my dad started paying me back that, that loan and he paid me back interest on that loan and he started teaching me about interest and things like that, that's when my dad said, hey, Josh, you should really think about tithing off of this, I'm like, Dad, what's tithing? He's like, Well, that's when you take the first of what comes back to you and you give it back to God. I'm like, Well, how much? He's like, Well, the principle is like 10%. I'm like, Dad, that's like, that's like $500. Do you realize how many hours I have to work on a farm baling hay, okay, to make $500 at $3 an hour? That's a lot of sweat, okay? And he said, Hey, that's what the principle of God's finances are. And so, so I learned this idea of, of saving at a very early age, and I'm so grateful that my dad taught me that, okay? Here's what I didn't understand, though, is I didn't understand this principle of, of, um, of offerings. I didn't understand uh, this idea of taking out of our, my lack and sowing from my lack to create increase. I, I didn't understand this principle of, of um, sacrificial giving, okay? And... Um, you know, a few years ago, Wendy and I were in a place where we were around some people that were really kind of challenging us in this area of our life a little bit, and, and I remember being at a conference, and, and there was a ministry that we really wanted to support and things like that, and, um, and I just, you know, I've always, you know, prayed and just said, hey God, you know, what do, what do you want me to, to give into this, and, and the Holy Spirit gave me a number, and I'm like, ah, I heard that wrong, <clears throat> and I said, I said, Holy Spirit, I, I think my receptor's not working Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, can, can you tell me again what the number is? And he told me the number. I'm like, mm, there, there's, there's something not working right here, because there was, there was a zero where there shouldn't have been a zero and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, but but here's, here's the, here, what I'll tell you, is we just, we stepped out in faith. And, and I remember for one of the first times in my life, writing a check that day. Okay, remember we talked about checks? Okay, we, 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 I wrote a check. And, uh, and, and we sewed a check. And but I just remember sitting there thinking, you know, I don't have that money. You know, God's been really good to us. Yeah, you know, we've never been in a place where we haven't had a roof over our heads or food on the table or been able to take care of needs for our children. You know, he's blessed us with good jobs, all that kind of stuff. But that number that he gave to me that day, I did not have that money in the bank. He just said, he said, God, this is, he said, Josh, this is a number. And I'm like, okay, this one's up to you now. Okay, because this does not make sense in my engineer brain because this math does not work, okay? Here's what I need you to understand is that God does not work in your math system. He is a different math system, okay? And you know what's wild is we sewed in that day and, and when I sewed, there were some things going on and the, the company that I was working for and I just asked God to, to really bless some things in that area. You know what's wild is within a couple of months of that time that I sewed that in, I, I received a promotion at my job that increased our annual income over $60,000, right? And it was the first time in my life that I had stepped into a place where we were really living on faith, where we were in this space where it wasn't, it wasn't in the scene, it was in the unseen. We were just saying, God, here, here's, here it is. This, is, this is your deal. But you know what's so cool? Is immediately God opened up our conduits. Our conduit got bigger. You know, we didn't look at that extra $60,000 of income as, you know, hey, cool, we can go buy a new car. We looked at that and just said, you know what? There's more seed we've got now. We can do more with this. We can bless more people. Because we started to begin to understand that this is his economy, okay? And gang, my question for you this morning is do you want your life to be a garden hose-sized conduit or do you want it to be an aqueduct-sized conduit? Because I believe that God's called us to be aqueducts. And, uh, and so if you guys would, let's stand and let's just, uh, let's just thank God for what he's opening up to us this morning. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word that you open up to our hearts. And God, I just believe that there's something that has been said through your spirit this morning that is just landing in someone's heart tonight. And God, I just pray that each one of us would leave this morning with a challenge in our heart to uh, to see a bigger vision for your provision. That God, you would expand our dreams. You would expand our picture of what our life is to be. God, that you would expand our influence. That you would expand our budget to live into that. And we just give you thanks for the opportunity to be part of your flow. And to your Son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
3: My Father, I adore you more than anything my heart could wish for. I just want you. And I. that you would bless the hands of every person who's holding out their hands right now, that you would bless them and pour through them every grace that's needed for the people you love and the world you died to save. So I bless my friends in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them and give them grace. Amen. Have a beautiful week, everybody.